0: Well, welcome to Winging It. My goodness, is this episode nine?
1: Number nine? <laughs> oh Number God.
0: nine? <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Well, you know what he they... said,
1: m- quoting the only <laughs> song in history that I ever skip when I listen to albums. Sorry, go ahead.
0: <laughs> and what album is that on?
1: The uh, Beatles' White Album. <gasps> oh,
0: that's what I thought. I was like, isn't it a Beatles situation? Yes, unfortunately, aye, yeah, unfortunately. Well, you know, there had to be one, so... So what is this show? Well, you know, I kind of give you the same explanation every week, and I figure, hey, it helps. So this is the offshoot of Birds of a Feather that you get every other week. And this happens in the off weeks because we just want to give you more there's a demand. We are supplying. So supply and demand, it's a lovely thing. It's really symbiotic relationship. It's working out for you. It's working out for us. Makes so the world go around. It does, right? So here we are. And what happens on this show? Well, we don't actually play any music. What we do is we talk about mainstream music. And David has no idea. So this is a whole blind show thing for him. I, of course, have picked the topic, picked the information, and will be informing him in moments. It's going to happen momentarily and then he is going to be enlightened with the subject matter that i've selected and we will have good convos about it or at least that's what we aspire to
1: yeah i was gonna say don't don't uh, (laughs) don't don't hold us to that you know don't oversell it christina
0: all right so are you ready to find out what this week's winging it is all about
1: my mind is a blank
0: slate how some of the most amazing guitar gods got started
1: Oh, nice!
0: So, guitar gods, and you're thinking, well, what if I don't think they're guitar gods? You will trust me; they are guitar gods in their own right. They're amazing. We're just going to talk about who they are. Going to talk about, do you know maybe their origin? Is this is the origin of these amazing uh guitarists if you do great if not i shall enlighten you and we want to go ahead and give a shout out to rolling stone for providing this amazing information so are you ready are you ready for the first guitar god
1: we shall see if i deem him uh as being worthy well
0: we know that that's all that matters so uh, chuck berry okay yeah yeah so do you know how chuck berry got started playing guitar Actually, I don't. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so... Barry was married with a kid and held a succession of Joe jobs before his gigs playing the blues in local St. Louis bands turned into anything more than just a hobby. Credit pianist Johnny Johnson for the push. Barry started playing with Johnson's trio in 1953 after the group's regular guitarist fell ill. Oh, look at that. Thanks to Barry's knack for showmanship, as we know, yeah. <laughs> and his fast-improving guitar skills, the sideman soon became the band leader and signed to Chess Records in nineteen fifty. And that's Johnson playing piano on Barry's first single Which was
1: I don't know Maybelline
0: Maybelline Maybelline. Which topped the R&B chart the same year
1: Wow, now you see when you said how they got started I thought you meant how they got started playing But you mean how they got started, their careers really took yes. off Because how they got started playing is He started playing with the Johnsons Trio in 1953 Yeah, 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 About what made him decide to pick a playing in the car because Ah, no, yeah. gotcha, yeah, that story's not Yeah, because how they got started playing guitar is not a terribly inspiring story So they just said, hey, I want to play Or the parents bought him a guitar there, <laughs> right. are only, there are only so many variations <laughs> Merry on Christmas, that here's a guitar yeah. Hey, okay, or uh, mom and dad, can I get a guitar? One or the other <laughs> Right So uh, we're glad it's not that, because that would get old fast Yeah, because how they got their break and what catapulted them into the spotlight into our lives is the real story here. But I did not know that at all. I know uh, many famous guitar gods were side men at first. For sure. uh, Absolutely playing with others, playing sessions, and I won't mention the names because they're bound to come up. (laughs) But uh, Chuck Berry, I did not actually know that. I just know that it's interesting because he was uh, just playing. He was just a musician. But the real strength, the real genius, the real immortality of Chuck Berry comes from his songwriting. Which was uh, groundbreaking. I mean, Absolutely. Uh, as a as a sto- uh, sorry, story song teller <laughs> as a story song teller, whatever, as a sto- song storyteller, he uh, is really what makes Chuck Berry uh, well, and his the, showmanship, and his sho- and of course I mean. his showmanship. And everything about him He is the whole package He is the whole
0: package And he really broke down A ton of barriers During that time as well Again, lots of groundbreaking Breaking down barriers At that time You know, it's magical During that I mean, that whole entire time And him coming out And he really was A pioneer You know, a trendsetter He just blew everybody Out of the water
1: so he basically got a big break because he was sort of, uh, not an exactly an understudy, but somebody kind of fell ill and he uh, stepped into the <laughs> shoes and that happens. I mean, uh, somebody uh, has a you know, bad break and somebody else gets that. Well, of course, whoever it was, with all due respect, I don't think they had as much to give us as Chuck Berry does. Clearly not. So um, uh, we're glad it turned out that way. Who is next?
0: Jack White.
1: Oh, right. Mr. White.
0: Yeah, so any ideas on his uh, story?
1: Mm, no, i wouldn't think he was a session player or a cyber sab- no no, no
0: very interesting story. Jack White was set to attend a seminary as a teenager when he learned he couldn't take his amplifier with him. instead, he began an upholstery apprenticeship with a punk fan who drafted him to play guitar in a duo. Later, after running an upholstery company of his own, White presented the duo idea to then-wife Meg, and the White Stripes, and a singular career as a musician-producer, archivist, and record label owner, were born.
1: Wow. Can you imagine a seminary not letting you bring an amplifier? What, <laughs> what, what is The going?
0: inhumanity. Wow. I
1: mean, <laughs> how, uh, how rigid and how uh, Spartan can anything be? <laughs> Absolutely! You know? And, of course, he pitched the idea to Megan without particular regard for her drumming Skills abilities. of uh, any kind. According to, right. to hear you tell it. You know? True. But not to hear Rolling Stone tell it, who gives her, yeah. what, 93? Number 93 or something like that, there she was?
0: 93 of, like, out of 10,000. Yeah, you yeah. Know? No, but not I mean, even. 9,300 is what they meant 10, it must have 000. been, yeah. Uh,
1: but no, I did not know that's a good story too.
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting. Seminary. I mean, yeah. it's interesting. It tells you a lot about him as a person because when you watch him perform or you hear his music or you hear his lyrics, you think, wait a
1: minute, What? (laughs) When I was back there in seminary school, there was a person who put forth the proposition that you cannot bring your amplifier to seminary school.
0: Exactly. Borrowing from
1: the Doors Soft Parade, for those of you who don't know. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Well,
0: and then also, I have to just mention this, a apprenticeship. I'm thinking, seminary? No, can't bring my amplifier. A Cool. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. And then, you know what? No, okay, I'll play guitar in this duo, and then, holy shit. The White Stripes.
1: Right, and, and the White Stripes demo is so wonderfully raw, but oh, I mean, you can't stop listening. You, you can't. can't turn it off. And
0: it's like lo-fi and everything, Very but fi. It's,
1: in. This is indie all it the way. Is I mean, all the way. This is, this of, is like
0: garage rock this shit. This is
1: like the shit we play on Butterflies <laughs> and Hurricanes. You know? We like lo-fi. You know? Yeah,
0: I mean, there's some beautiful rawness about it. And yeah, I mean,
1: it's not as lo-fi as my stuff, but it's pretty lo-fi. You know?
0: There's no comparison, okay? <laughs> the, lo-fi is lo-fi to yeah. me. <laughs> All right, well,
1: the next guitar god, Jimmy Page. Ah, well, there you go. I mean, one of your goats. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I know he was uh, playing sessions for a long time, but I don't know how he got beyond that. So Mm -hmm. uh, let us find out.
0: Allow me to enlighten you, please.
1: And, and this is my not one of my goats. This is my number one goat. This is your number one who goat. Who describes himself as sloppy, just plain awful, totally illiterate as a musician. I
0: agree. Uh, <laughs> at least with the sloppiest he is part, sloppy, he's sloppy. But I, mean,
1: but I mean, he's Jimmy Page, man. I call double, him Sloppy
0: Page, but that's fine.
1: Accolade, it's a double accolade. The fact that you can be sloppy and still compose for the you know one of the greatest bands of all time. So anyway, could how it be did all the
0: the weed at that time? Maybe that people were like slops fine. Yes. Yeah, now they're fine. like, you know what? We demand perfection. <laughs>
1: Straight or not I don't demand Perfection I, I'll take what Jimmy Page offers Alright fair enough yeah. And so will the Rest of the world And that wonderfully Sloppy guitar solo In Heartbreaker Was the inspiration uh, So I hear For the uh, Tapping and uh, Technique and Things like that Developed by Mr. Eddie Van Halen so, <gasps>
0: Well oh Eddie rest in yes, peace Eddie yes, My zero. goodness
1: uh, So Eddie What about Mr. Page
0: Alright well maybe Page was simply Meant to play guitar The Led Zeppelin Guitars claims He first picked up The instrument When his family Moved into a new House and found one that the previous occupants had left behind. Well, thank
1: wow. fucking God. For that, absent-minded people. Yes, yeah.
0: because if not, who knows, right? In short order, he was teaching himself to play the Elvis Presley and skiffle songs he heard on the radio in 1950s Britain. I want to
1: play house with you. <laughs>
0: yes. The rest, of course, is history. Session work, as you mentioned, in London, including songs on the Kinks and the Who, mm-hmm. led to a stint in the Yardbirds, as you know, before he recruited Robert Plant John Paul Jones And John Bonham For what became One of the biggest bands Of all time At all So very very interesting So thank God For absent-minded people Thank God for Elvis Presley And Skiffle Songs Thank God for Session work With the Kinks and the Who And thank God For the Yardbirds Look at all It took all of that To get Where we are today
1: To get us to Led Zeppelin Exactly
0: Yeah and to get Jimmy Page out In the forefront Sloppy as
1: he may be By the way Jimmy Page is renowned For his incredible memory uh, Even where he appears On newly released Outtake, as it were, from the Rolling Stones 1973 Goat's Head Soup album. And Jagger and them are always saying that he has this incredible memory. He remembers exactly what happened and who was there. Wow. And his Instagram feed, Jimmy Page's Instagram feed, is really fascinating because he shares memories, things you didn't know he played on. And, you know, on this date in 19, you know, Thirty-five. I played with... So, okay, not that far ago. But um, <laughs> in this day in 1963, I played with such and such a group that you never heard. I mean, he played live gigs with everybody. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. he recorded albums with the Black Crows. He played with the Beach Boys. He played with everybody. The uh, Firm. The, well, yeah, afterwards. Uh. And uh, so his Instagram feed is uh, for trivia buffs, and uh, Jimmy Page fans is really something. Uh, you learn an awful lot uh, every day from there. So.
0: And I have to say one thing, and I know that this is so you know, shallow and surface level, but he is still a very good looking man. I don't even know how old he is, but he's like kind of ageless. He still looks really good. He's got great hair. I mean, it's, it's, you know, white, but I don't care about that. It's great, but he still looks really, really good. I can't say the same for other people that were in the band, but
1: other people. I mean, even though for some reason, even though he obviously took, He he borrowed a lot of stuff, like Mark Boland's look uh, from T-Rex. I mean, the whole thing with the clothes and the hair and the glam and the Les Paul and everything. Of course, he didn't start out playing a Les Paul. Right. But he borrowed that, but he took it to the next level. I mean, he owns all of that. As... Pound for pound, as far as composing and performing, and yes, playing, and just being a presence on stage and off, and a producer, Jimmy Page is second to none. He's unequaled. Even the Zeppelin cop the whole call and response thing, ah, ah, ah with the guitars and the vocals and everything from Jeff Beck and Rod Stewart, mm-hmm. and the Rods, but still. They did more with all of their stuff than anybody ever did before them. So, I mean, uh, Zeppelin, they're derided sometimes for being unoriginal, but that's total bullshit. I because, disagree with that, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can name a hundred songs and say, okay, who did they steal that from? Nobody ever did anything like that before. So he is my goat, and... um Thank heavens all that happened, and he inherited the Yardbird's moniker, uh, the Yardbird's name, and took that with Zeppelin for a little while before becoming Led Zeppelin that we uh, know and love. So yeah, he's a hero to me forever, sloppy or not.
0: (laughs) Sloppy Page is still a rock god, okay, and guitar god for sure. So Joe Bonamassa,
1: Uh, you know, (laughs) hang on a minute. (laughs) That was all.
0: (laughs) I knew that was going to be the response. Nothing else. There was no escaping the guitar for Bonamassa. His parents owned a guitar store, and he started playing when he was just four. A brief mentorship at age 11 with the ace player Danny Gatton set Bonamassa on his current path, which included a stint in the blues rock band Bloodline with the sons of Miles Davis, Robbie Krieger, and Barry Oakley in the 90s before he launched a long-running solo career with his two thousand release A New Day yesterday, and I'm just gonna say he's a fucking beast. He's amazing. And I saw I think we saw him live. Bruce and I saw him live.
1: I, I don't know why and and I'm not alone, thank heaven. I don't know why of course he can play. Of course he He's can. He's incredible. Play. So can Ingrid Malmsteen and so can Steve. I I just don't find them interesting. I don't know why I don't like what he does, but I don't. Uh, I of course I recognize he can play. I will give you this. There is a Epiphone has a Joe Bonamassa uh, edition Les Paul. It's the Black Beauty basically, the black one with the gold hardware. Oh, it's freaking gorgeous. Thankfully, it doesn't have his name on it, so I might actually get it someday. But I'm I'm not a fan. I've never. I don't know what it is. I don't like. I don't like him. I just don't.
0: I just want to know how much of him you've heard though. I think you say that a lot. You've heard maybe a sampling instead of a body of work that will really show you what he can do and open him up. I just ask, you know, maybe maybe give him another try because he is a master.
1: Yeah, some video clips I've seen here and there, and I just wasn't impressed. Maybe I should give him another try. Although I actually found lying in the street one day, totally different than Joe Bonamassa, but not really in my mind. Steve uh, Steve I album, Surfing with the Alien or whatever the hell the name of it is. Hmm. I tried to listen to it. I listened to a track or two. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll finish later. It took me like four or five listens to get through the whole album. It was just. Seemed so dull. It seemed like the same thing and everything. I don't know. I'll have to give Joe B a try. Some people just, you know, really rag on him like me, and some people think he's the greatest thing ever. So maybe we're just not being fair to the man. So
0: well, it happens. I think with every artist, though, I'm sure there are people who hate Jimmy Page.
1: Oh, I know them. Oh, you know, I know lots I mean, of them. It's
0: also some, you know, the way they hit you. But what I love about you is you're always like, look, I may not like him, fucking talented. Not saying not talented. Not saying can't play. Just not my thing.
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe, honestly, with uh, his... Page is largely a studio player. I mean, that's the only way he ever got away with being a session player, because he could try again and again and again. He's like me, only he doesn't need you know, one-tenth as many tries as I do. But live, you know, he's hit or miss, uh, and, you know, Truth. He, he said of the 2007 Led Zeppelin reunion, Celebration Day, that it was the best Zeppelin concert since 1975. Oh, wow. So, I mean, he, he admits he got sloppy in 77 and 79 and everything like that, although no. I, I still love the footage that I see. Slopfest. fest. Slop Fest, uh, Stop Fest 79. Uh, yes. But, yeah, so... Uh super precise, guys like Jeff Beck, I had this guitar teacher, you know, yes, I know, he. you had lessons, really, But who was teaching me bass, and he just hated Jimmy Page with every fiber of his being, and he absolutely adored and worshipped Jeff Beck, and I'm like, you know, Beck really isn't that interesting, I mean, he is, No, know he is, he is very interesting, but I w- I will take <laughs> Page, and honestly, and Clapton, and May, and all those guys, and Gilmore ahead of him, but he is, I have a number of Jeff Beck records, he's great, don't get me wrong, not just the R, I have like three Jeff Beck's solo albums and your he's fine. So but, I'm just uh, going
0: to tell you, Bruce. Right now, Bruce is like, we're done.
1: Oh yeah, this we're is, done. This David. is where you. This is where you and Bruce you part have, ways. You have to send him <laughs> the redacted version of the show <laughs> with this part.
0: You know? <laughs> yes, the Joe Bonamassa thing and the and the Jeff Beck meh. He's gonna be well. Like, and we're I mean, done. <laughs> you
1: know, we all have our little things. I mean, two no, words. It's true. Two words for you, Bruce. Big balls. Okay. If you think ACDC <laughs> is that great. By the way, totally unrelated, but uh he might turn up in the thing I shouldn't mention, but the A C D C has a new album at and son of a bit I mean, it, it kinda sounds the same as all the other ones, but son of a bitch. Kinda
0: s- sounds the same as all the other ones. That's all you they, had to say to yeah, me.
1: But they sound like the nineteen eighty A C D C. They sound so good. I mean, they really sound like this could have been written this could have been recorded forty years ago. So I
0: just want you to know I could easily go back and sound like nineteen ninety six Christina if you wanted me to. It's no big
1: Well, yeah, but you're not 75 years old like that. Not
0: yet. I'm getting there. I'm on my way. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, Joe Bonamassa is certainly a legend, and maybe you'll give him another try. But this next one, Eric Clapton.
1: There you go. There
0: you go. So before Clapton became a god, he was just a 13-year-old with a beater guitar that was so hard to play, he put it aside for a while. Yet, the instrument proved irresistible and when clapton resumed playing at 15 he taped himself on a reel-to-reel recorder as he played along to blues records it worked clapton was just 18 when he joined the yardbirds in 1963 launching one of the most storied careers in popular music with a dazzling array of collaborations and a spectacular tally of albums sold
1: nice yeah Eric Clapton is way up in the top five for me no mm. question about it and he is not I cannot stand people who just play the blues and he he may be a blues master but he is certainly not just a blues player i uh, been listening no. to Cream. Oh my goodness! And he's been. You figure I'm a trivia person, but I really not. I could not have said what his first group was. Mm. I know that uh, he was like the first Yardbirds guitarist, and then it was uh, Beck, and then it was Paige. But he's been in so many. I mean, oh, John yeah. Mayall's Bluesbreakers, uh, Blind Faith, uh, Derek and the Dominos, Cream. Oh, blah, 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 blah. you know. I mean, he's been in a thousand different groups. Most notably,
0: Cream for you. Yeah, most notably Cream <laughs> for
1: me. I love Cream. I know, but. Uh, he is, uh, he's just a beast. He was born to play and, uh, he has of course as do many people a signature guitar Fender Stratocaster Blackie but uh, another one of uh, great guitar heroes who started out playing this instrument and that instrument and settled on the Stratocaster at the end probably because we're all old and the shit is and uh, the other guitars are really heavy uh, and uh, strat is really light but he thinks it's the perfect rock and roll guitar and you know he's got something there but Clapton is a major hero to me I would put him up in top 5 for sure So good story. I did not know that. See, I don't know a lot of this stuff.
0: It's interesting stuff. And I just have to say, I mean, you know, there's nothing that will get to me like a man who can play guitar, who can sing and he can sing and who can songwrite and he can do all of those things. And he is a really badass performer as well. You know, I mean, he's a little older now, but yeah. <laughs> he's still very emotive. He's in, and just some of his music and his voice—I mean, just really beautiful stuff. So, I love that he's a triple threat.
1: He is. And before um, Jack Bruce passed away, I did not know that uh, Cream had gotten back together hmm. to play a show. And I was flipping through PBS one night, and there, <laughs> there are these three old guys on there. I think it was 2005, and it's like, wow. They look like cream. It's cream. What are they doing? There they and they're playing this amazing show. And uh, so yeah, he uh, he was still on fire, and uh, yeah, he's, he still is. I haven't oh, yeah. seen him do anything lately, but he he never really quits. And he's sat in with everybody at one point or another, which is always great. I mean, oh you're, yeah, you're really he's blessed if you got Eric Clapton joining you. He's played with the Stones. He's played with everybody. Did albums with BB King. I mean, he is such a legend. It's ridiculous. He really definitely is. top five guitar god hero for sure. What else?
0: All right. Well, next. Pete Townsend.
1: Hey, there you go. <laughs>
0: So though his father played saxophone in England's Royal Air Force Band, American rock and roll, particularly Bill Haley and the Comets, yeah, Yeah. exerted the most influence on young Pete Townsend. He first saw the 1956 movie Rock Around the Clock when he was 11 and watched it over and over again until his grandmother bought Townsend his first guitar. Soon enough, he was playing in bands with John Entwistle, and it wasn't long before he joined forces with the singer Roger Daltrey and then later drummer Keith Moon.
1: Roger the Muppet Daltrey? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she said that, okay? (laughs) Yeah, he's a Muppet. He
0: sounds like a Muppet. He looks like a Muppet. And I don't really like Muppet singers, so I'm kind of out.
1: Yeah, I determined after uh Muppety. You know, yeah, <laughs> Muppety. I was play a Who song was playing one day and Christina said, That's that's Muppety to me. You know, <laughs> it's and Muppety. That's actually why she finally determined what's wrong with this woman that she's not into the Who. It's because of Roger Daltrey's voice. Because yeah. as I can personally attest, it is not easy to like a band and it's very easy to hate a band if you really can't stand the singer, which is why Pearl Jam will never work for me unless they get Roger Daltrey to sing for him or something like that.
0: Then I'm out doubly. <laughs> then she's doubly <laughs> out.
1: But um, (laughs) Yeah
0: uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm out I gotta go
1: Townsend I gotta say Well a lot of people will say Wow he's like one of the greatest Rhythm guitar players ever And he's a great performer He's a great songwriter He's a great lead guitar player too Which a lot of people Simply don't Mm. comprehend A lot of people Because he doesn't play these Endless big flashy solos But when he does He really wails And he gets better all the time In fact I had the privilege Of seeing him last year At the Hollywood Bowl Mm. And uh, he's such a live wire. The guy is 72 or something like that. They're in their 70s. Live wire, lots of uh, witty onstage banter and lots of energy, and he's just hes just a madman. He said, we're back, and we're going to keep coming back. They just put out a new album. So um, Pete Townsend, I didn't know that about his dad, uh, saxophone. Isn't that interesting? Thing. Yeah, and a lot of these British invasion rockers were very much influenced by Americans like Chuck Berry and like For Bill sure. Haley and the Comets and, and people like that. And uh, that is, uh, that's really cool to know because I'm like mostly all about British bands, but, uh, you know, they were inspired by some of our guys. And uh, that is interesting uh, because Pete Townsend is, I mean, he's way, way up there. He's uh, he's just such a legend to me. It's not even funny. So good one about Mr. Pete.
0: Well, and I will say one of the things that I have enjoyed that you've kind of introduced me to, and I know Bruce did in the past too, is who songs that Pete sings on. Then I'm in.
1: Yeah, I know. I remember I played you a yeah. Who song. And like, oh, I like that one. It's because Pete sings and, yeah. and Pete's solo stuff is. Yes, is I really like Pete's good. solo stuff. Yeah, Pete's... I think more than yeah.
0: the Who stuff. I like his solo stuff. It's just a little more my speed. It's different. No Muppet that kind of stuff. And no
1: Muppet. And even though you like, you know, well, you don't hate pop, but I mean, no you know, at no, all. No, I love you, pop. You love pop. Yeah. The songs like "Let My Love Open the Door." I love that song. And, uh, it's fantastic. I, I mean, love that's, that song. And uh, Pete, I noticed that he gives some of the best Who material to himself to sing.
0: Well, he's no fool
1: because he's like. You know Keith Richards, he'll be able to, like sing lead on one or two songs per album, or there are a lot of who songs, especially on Quadrophenia, where Roger sings most of it. But Pete will give himself a little break in there, and it's usually the best part. Yeah, because uh, he's
0: like too much Muppet. I'm just people are like, going to be out. Got, <laughs> <laughs> got Pete, to dial down the Pete's Muppet. Like
1: we got to break up the Muppet factor <laughs> <back> here. <laughs> That's right.
0: People like Christina are going to be out. There's too much Muppet.
1: It's like okay, that part was fine, but we we we, we can't have a Muppet doing That's this too part. Too much you know? Muppety. And when they alternate, but back and forth, and uh, you know, of course, Pete and Roger are the only ones still alive. Right. And uh, so I saw them. Uh, and interesting for a little trivia, as we probably mentioned before, but their drummer. Is now uh, Zach Starkey, uh, Ringo's son, oh, uh, plays nice. drums, and uh, Pete's younger brother Simon plays uh, second guitar in the group. And I don't know who the bass player is. He's just some guy, but uh, some I, honestly, I poor don't guy. know. <laughs> he's a poor guy, but I mean, some dude. I think he's just some dude. Whereas, some dude. like with the Stones. You know, they got a bass player who's been playing with for twenty five years, and he's still not officially a part of the band.
0: So, now there's somebody out there listening to the show who's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? You don't know who that bass player I, is? That bass player is blah 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 from blah blah blah." And, he's and I'm blah, telling blah, blah, you, blah. he's
1: probably got this incredible backstory, and That's I'm just comp- and, and I saw him, and I still don't know who it is because I think it's somebody different every time. <laughs> I don't think they use the same guys, except Zach Starkey appears a lot. You know. Uh, always on stage because he's a, he's a madman. He really is. He. I mean, if you're going to fill in for Keith Moon, well, you know. I
0: was going to say as mad as King Moon as Keith Moon, not King Moon. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> I've turned him into royalty yeah. as Keith Moon.
1: Uh, not quite, but yeah, he he's on fire though. I All, mean, right, so, yeah, yeah, All right, fair enough. But Pete. Yeah,
0: Pete. Right on. Pete's the man. All right, so that leads us. Obviously, to Jimi Hendrix. Wow. Ah. Although Hendrix started playing professionally as a teen and spent years cutting his teeth as a hired guitarist backing the likes of Wilson Pickett, and? Sam Cooke, yeah. and Little Richard. Little Richard, that's right. It wasn't right. until he moved to London in 1966 that he truly came into his own. Manager Chaz Chandler enlisted Noel Redding and Mitch Mitchell to play with Hendrix in a trio that broke through when they performed a club gig for an audience that included members of... The Beatles, Rolling Stones, The Who, and Eric Clapton – Hello. What, what Can I get an this? audience for, with those <laughs> folks?
1: Holy what shit. What show brought all those people I, out? I have know? some questions. Yeah.
0: Six months later, Hendrix released Are You Experienced, the first of just four albums he'd released before he died in 1970.
1: I was going to say he had to get started pretty early because everybody knows what age he was when he died because it's the same age as a lot of people 27 died. 27, club. 27 years mm. old. And Bad club. I, I've always kind of like Jimi Hendrix, but only a year or two ago did I really develop a true, deep appreciation for his amazing guitar artistry. I always regarded him as a terrific songwriter, fantastic songwriter, and, uh, well, a very mediocre singer, but he really has won me over as a guitar player in the last couple of years. He's he's such a legend. I mean, he really, I wouldn't put him in my top five or anything, but, I mean, he's way, way up there, and I understand he did a lot of things psychedelically and uh, very uh, distorted and acid-sounding that just changed a lot of the way we see guitar. And I knew he played with um, Little Richard. And didn't he have a group with Jimmy James and his famous Flames for a little while, I think? Or was that somebody else's group? I don't know. Before the Jimi Hendrix experience.
0: This girl does not know. But uh, I, yes, I don't claim uh, that. But I will say, the company you keep says a lot about you. Wilson Pickett, Sam Cooke, Little Richard, the Beatles, Rolling Stones, the Who, and Her- Eric Clapton saw how amazing this guy was. Yeah. So you may not be in your top five, but... He caught the attention of everybody and is an absolute legend. And obviously, the stuff he did was groundbreaking, and no one was doing that. No one had ever done that. Oh, no, no. So, he changed everything forever. And so, of course, he will be a goat for many. And I have to say, I like his voice. He's not a muppet. So, I don't know why. Definitely you'd, not you'd, a muppet. Yeah, mm. you, you like Muppety over Hendrix. I don't, I'm not sure about that. But um, I like Hendrix's voice. It's just very kind of, you know, it's raw and it's kind of just there it's not like a great voice but it's it makes sense with the music and i'm cool with that
1: you know it's funny i wrote a song that was supposed to be uh not an homage exactly but sort of uh, in the style of Jimi hendrix i mean exactly the same you know like the Jimi hendrix experience and i sang i did those for a female vocal thing i did the demo i did the guide vocal the way, like Hendrix and everything, kind of, you know. It's so kind of
0: like Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like Bob Dylan. And I'm out on Bob Dylan's voice, so. Interesting. <laughs>
1: and, and the singer was like, you know, I got another idea. She didn't say anything, she just recorded this howling, hair-raising Janis Joplin thing, and it was like, you know what? Let's go with that, because <laughs> that changed the whole <laughs> tenor of the song. You're right, I, my ideas suck. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, no, he's a, he's a legend, and I mean, really, he he makes the hair on my arms stand up. He's brilliant, so I don't mean to downplay his genius at all. So,
0: For sure. So that really brings us to the end of it. I've got a couple of honorable mentions, though. I have Gary Clark Jr., who was, you know, somebody who definitely Eric Clapton discovered him and had him play Crossroads Guitar Festival in 2010. So, I mean, obviously, a brilliant guitarist. Definitely check out Gary Clark Jr. if you haven't already. Also... (sighs) John Mayer, I just I can't. I can't either. I just can't. I don't get so, it. So John Mayer, he went to the berkeley College of Music. I get it. I got it. His you know, he thinks your body's a wonderland. That's cool. That's great. If you're into John Mayer, that's beautiful. Women just fall all over themselves for it. I don't get it. But John Mayer clearly seen as a big time guitarist, and I'm going to go ahead and check myself out. And Dan Auerbach. From mm. the Black Keys. Oh. Uh, so that's another another guitarist that we did not have an opportunity to get to, but just wanted to mention those as rounding out kind of the top 10 guitar gods and how they kind of got started. So, David, I hope you enjoyed today's Winging It, and I hope that our audience did as well, a little bit about rock gods, how they got started, and how they influenced you know popular music and us, obviously, or... How they didn't, whether they did it sloppily (laughs) or cleanly. Muppetly. Muppetly. (laughs) Muppetly. I like it. We're making shit up here. But that actually concludes today's show. So that just leaves for you to say.
1: That wasn't me not remembering my line. <laughs> that was me just uh, doing the, uh, pause? the the pregnant pause, the meaningful uh, pregnant pause, the building the anticipation. You looked
0: reflective, actually.
1: Definitely reflected because your line always comes to me, and it's not <laughs> your line. It's <laughs> let's fly this coop. <laughs> This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.